Does anyone know what the big sign on the front of the church as you come in the foyer says? <laughs> Enter. Yeah. Not that sign. There's a big sign right in between the doors. Country Oaks. Yeah. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. From Psalm 100, verse 4. As we approach uh, the Thanksgiving holiday, we're going to start a three-part series on Thanksgiving, thankfulness, gratitude. When I was thinking about the sermon series in your mind as a theologian and, and um, when you're not preaching expositionally through a book of the Bible and you're going topical, you still want to think biblically the whole scope of the Bible. What does the Bible have to say about Thanksgiving? Where would I start? Where would I build my case? And there's certain scriptures that are seminal in the Bible that lay foundations. Obviously, Genesis 1.1 does and John 1.1. But if you think about Romans and Paul's great treaty treaties on salvation, where he begins. In Romans 1.20, he talks about that the reason God is angry with mankind or the wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness is because even though men could look at creation and see the glory of God, they neither honored Him nor gave Him thanks. It's interesting that those two words would be put together. The didn't give Him honor, and what does that lead to? Not giving thanks. So honoring God leads to a thankful heart, and a heart that isn't willing to honor God leads to an ungrateful heart. Nathan's going to do one of the three uh, sermons. I asked him what passage he was thinking about without telling him the one I was thinking about. And he said, you know, in Romans 1... No, no, nope, that one's mine. So... (laughs) I guess you go off to seminary and they train your mind to think in these ways. Obviously, we'd want to go to the Psalms, too, with examples of how to thank God, how to praise Him. But if we're going to lay a foundation for thankfulness, we're going to start in, in Romans 1. Interestingly, I was looking around my library, my personal library, for books on thanksgiving and gratitude. I've got hundreds, if not thousands, of books in my library. They just keep accumulating. If you like to read, like me, you just keep getting books. You love books. I don't like electronic books as much. I like to hold books and flip through books and dog ear corners and just love them. Can't get enough of them. And yet I could not find a single book in my personal library about thanksgiving or gratitude. I think when you go to seminary, they fill your head with topics like the truth of God. Preach the word in season and out season and systematic theologies and Theologies of the cross and evangelism. I do have books on worship, and if you go into the books on worship, you will find much about thankfulness. But I couldn't find a a particular book that was just on thankfulness. So I went to my old office, which is Nathan's office, 
now and looked through his personal library when he wasn't in there. And he, he caught me, and there he came in. He's like, what, you miss your old job? <laughs> and he didn't really have any books on thankfulness or Thanksgiving, but he had a classic I forgot about from John Piper called Let the Nations Be Glad. And a lot of what Jimmy was saying from the pulpit comes from that book, really. Piper makes the case that missions is about reaching ethnic groups. Reaching ethnic groups. And he says in the opening to the book, and this book's been around a long time, it's on its third edition, it's kind of like when you take a missions class, you get this book among others, but this is always on the reading list, Let the Nations Be Glad. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Worship is. It's why our mission statement at COBC is we are all about Jesus. A stands for adore, another way to say worship. We adore Jesus by learning from Jesus so that we can love like Jesus. Missions exist because worship doesn't. So there's places around the globe, ethnic groups, who are not worshiping the true God. They are worshiping false gods or no God, which means they're worshiping self. Everybody worships all the time. The question is, whom is the object of your worship? Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. Reminds me of that other book on missions, One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And so we are about worshiping our God, becoming better worshipers. That's the process of sanctification, growing in Christ. And we're out to make worshipers of God, whether it's the children in your home or your family, or here at Sunday School, VBS, your neighbors, co-workers. You know, the nations are here. I went to school down at UCLA. All the nations were there. I was the minority nation there. And they're going to move up this mountain to Tehachapi. I guarantee in the next 10 years you will see a more diverse Tehachapi. The nations will come to us. We will go to the nations. Are you ready to give an answer for the hope that, was it, that is within you? The nations will come up here because they will come here for all the same reasons you came here. They want peace. They want some tranquility. They want affordable housing. They want the beauty of this setting. They want to get away from traffic and crime. And they will come up here. And so we will go to the nations and God will bring them to us. But all tribe, tongue, and nation will hear of the greatness of God and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow one day that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And then our Lord will return and there will be one grand feast, wedding feast in heaven. And we're all invited, but not everyone will go. Just the worshipers. 
So as we talk about thanksgiving, we can't talk about thanksgiving without worship. To worship God is to give Him thanks. You can't worship God without thanking Him. You can't worship God without thanking Him. A, a good uh, mnemonic device that was taught to me for my prayer time is based on the word acts. Anyone familiar with this prayer model? Okay. So, A is to give adoration, to praise and honor God. The C is to confess sin, and T is to give thanks. And then S, make supplication. Ask Him for help. Ask Him to intercede for others. We go to God and we ask Him for things first. When our Lord taught us in the Lord's Prayer to start with adoration. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in Heaven. Then we can start asking for things. Give us today our daily bread. And confess, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then supplication, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Just looking at some of the Psalms, you'll see this combination of glorifying God, giving thanks. Glorifying God, giving thanks. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. Psalm 86, 12. Psalm 95, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. And then it goes on and chronicles all the reasons to honor God and to thank Him. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And if you continue the psalm, it's a list of things to glorify God for and to thank Him for. So if you can't worship God without giving Him thanks, it also follows that you can't thank God without honoring Him. We honor people by giving thanks to them. If you don't recognize that everything good comes from God, then you won't thank Him. You may say thank you, but if you haven't taken the time to meditate on who He is and His perfections and what He's accomplished and what He's done and what He's promised and what He will do, then your thanks will be hollow. You know, you sit down at the dinner table and you say a quick thank you. Thank you for our meal. Certainly those who celebrate Thanksgiving and don't know God, it makes me wonder, why are they celebrating Thanksgiving? Whom are they thanking? If they went to work and worked for the money to buy the food and then prepped the food and put it on the table, then ultimately the thanks goes to themselves. Look at what Paul says in Romans 1.20. The, the verse right before here is that the wrath of God is being, unre- is being revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Well, what truth? What are they suppressing? 
Because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since, and this is where it picks up on the slide, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. Think of the artist painting a landscape. How could you paint a landscape and revel in the beauty of God's creation and not honor Him as the source of that creation? And yet, many unbelievers come from the arts community, do they not? How can you go to a concert and enjoy the sounds, the harmonies, the emotions attached to music and not give honor to God who created sound and the ability to hear and appreciate music? How can you sit around that Thanksgiving table? I love food. It doesn't look like it. <laughs> I just have this super fast metabolism. I love the colors, the textures, the smells, the tastes, the sounds. All of your senses are employed when enjoying food. This is a great gift from God. He didn't have to do it this way. Right? The Israelites got manna every morning. That's enough to thank Him for. But He gives us this variety of food. And then we're created in His image with the ability to create with that food, to come up with combinations the science and chemistry behind cooking to get things to rise and ferment. And it's a wonderful thing. In our house, I mentioned we don't have a cable, but we do have Netflix, so you, you pretty much only get what they give you. And you hope you can find something uh, entertaining, of value, and clean. And we like the Food Network. <laughs> so... They just put a bunch of seasons of a show called Chopped on there, and we like to watch that show. It's a pretty clever idea. They get four chefs together. They give them a picnic basket with four ingredients that hardly seem to go together at all. And they say, use your creativity to come up with an appetizer and then a main course and then a dessert. Each round, they chop someone whose food isn't up to snuff. I just find it amazing what people can do with strange ingredients. I find it amazing that there are strange ingredients, that God has filled this earth with this bounty, that we don't just have to eat the same thing each day, and that we can use our creativity. And then they take this time to like plate the food, and even the way the food looks when it gets to you is part of the experience. I'm so filled with awe at the Thanksgiving table, it's almost like just looking at it is the best part to me and seeing the whole family around it. That perfect brown crust on the turkey, my brother-in-law's cornbread stuffing, which should be a secret formula that he should sell for, for, uh, for a lot of money. Oh, I can't wait. We only get it once a year, you know, but it's an event. I almost feel guilty of, of eating that well, but it's just one, you know, it's one day a year. 
But the amount of time and money and preparation that goes into that day, you go to Costco and everybody's baskets are filled. Now, how can you enjoy all that without giving God honor? Where does that come from? That cannot be explained through mere chance and accident. And so this is what Paul is trying to tell us in Romans 1, that God's power and divine nature can clearly be seen through what He has made. And he says, For even though they knew God, not in a personal way, but enough through general revelation, they should know that somebody deserves the honor and the thanks for all this. Instead, they become futile in their speculations. All the philosophies of man to explain the universe, the earth, and life itself. And there's multiple competing philosophies and speculations. And they're all foolishness because all of them, with the exception of the Christian worldview, have to start with everything created itself out of nothing. Or everything was just here and somehow intelligently organized itself into this amazing universe and planet that we see. I know we're used to just hearing about the Big Bang Theory as the start of the cosmos and evolution as the start of life, but I tell you, these are placeholder theories. You get past your undergraduate classes and it turns out there's multiple competing hypotheses out there for the creation of the cosmos and the creation of life itself because those two theories they know are inadequate explanations. But you've got to leave something in place. Otherwise, what are people going to say? must be God then. Oh, we can't have that. It was surprised to find out there were so many other explanations besides the two I had to memorize and learn to get my undergraduate diploma. And they just actually get wackier and crazier. There's one view that there's infinite universes, and we're just one of infinite universes. You're like, well, then where did all the other universes come from? That didn't solve any problems. Another view that there's this uh, cloud that spits out universes, and ours just happens to be the one that supports life. Well, where did the cloud come from? And how is it spitting out universes? At some point, man is left with only one option, that there is an uncaused cause, first cause, that there is a pre-existent creator. Whether it's a force or a being, but we look around and we see personality and we experience love and we see beauty and we enjoy everything I just described in the eating experience and so much more I can add to it that points to there's got to be a personal being who is creative in loving. An impersonal force just can't explain our lives. And yet it says they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts were darkened. 
Unbelievers don't attribute the awesomeness of creation to a creator, so they don't give thanks. They don't give thanks. See these unbelievers on TV that host shows like Bill Maher on Politically Incorrect? He is one of the most unhappy men I have ever seen. And so many of our politicians who are unbelievers, unhappy people, always stirring up trouble that you should have more in your life. Your life should be better and it's not your fault. It's somebody else's fault. Your unhappiness isn't your fault. It's somebody else's fault. Stirring up strife. When we look back and say, how did this country become the great country it was? Certainly it was our Christian heritage to be thankful to God, to thank Him for freedom, to thank Him for His bounty, to thank Him for the opportunity to work and to produce and to create. We are rapidly becoming a country full of ingrates. I hear the older generations, that's their chief complaint with my generation and younger generations. We're ingrates, we're ungrateful, we think we should have everything now, we think we deserve everything right away. My wife was reading to me a post, a blog post from the uh, Huffington Post, which is a very liberal uh, blog, and yet they were quoting a psychologist who was saying Generation X and Generation Y, that's the latest two generations, uh, think they deserve their diploma, they deserve a... 80 to 100,000 K job a year right out of school. They bring their parents to their job interviews. So their parents will tell you what a great kid this is. And one boss was saying during an interview, the young person said, I will have your job within two years. It took him 20 years to get to the position he was in. We are surrounded by complainers and grumblers. It is one of the chief symptoms of unbelief. Where there's unbelief, there's no honoring of God. Where there's no honoring of God, there's no thankfulness. Ironically, though, unbelievers will blame this God they don't believe in for everything bad in their life. So when everything's going well, somehow that's by their own achievement or entitlement. But when you say, why don't you believe in God? The number one reason unbelievers say they don't believe in God is because of evil in the world. How could an all-good, all-powerful, all-loving God allow such evil in the world? And most of these people live in a country, our country, where we don't feel the full brunt of evil all the time. Americans have it pretty good. In the history of the world, no, no nation has lived so blessed as this one. We talk about the hunger crisis in America while millions die around the planet every day from starvation. Yes, hunger is a serious thing, but there are places you can go in this country to get a bite to eat. 
I find myself complaining at the end of the month when all the good food is gone. <laughs> right? You're like doing this in front of the fridge. <laughs> the kids come moping in. Mom, what's for dinner? She's afraid to tell them because the complaining and grumbling will begin. And yet, my cupboards always had food in it. I've never really gone hungry before. And so, unbelievers won't honor God and won't give Him thanks. They, they believe everything they have is by their own hard work. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. They never caught a break in life. They made their own breaks. They don't acknowledge the beauty of this universe and the power that keeps it going. That every morning we wake up assuming it'll still be here. So they exalt self and take credit for the good and place blame on this God they don't believe in for all the bad. You can't honor God while exalting yourself. There's no room to thank God when you're busy thanking yourself. Think of the characters in the Bible famous for exalting self. Pharaoh demanded to be worshipped as a god. And God's doing all these miraculous works around him and he can't see God, nor will he honor God. Nebuchadnezzar, same story, different ending. Nebuchadnezzar, driven to insanity because he won't honor God or give him thanks. And after he comes out of his insanity, his eyes are opened and he's able to give God glory and thanks. You can read in the book of Daniel his prayer to God, filled with honor and thanksgiving. Herod. You read in the book of Acts that he was struck dead on Herod Day. He had a holiday to honor and exalt himself. He built a temple that was supposed to glorify God, but it was really about exalting Herod for the great architect and planner and coordinator that he was. And the crowd shouted, the face of a God and not a man. And Herod wouldn't silence the crowd. He said, exalt me, exalt me, exalt me. And he drops dead, eaten from the inside out by worms. The Pharisees... Now, these are people who should know how to honor God and thank Him and teach others to honor God and thank Him. And yet God Himself showed up in the person of Jesus Christ and there was no honor and certainly no thanks, no thanksgiving at all. In fact, we saw the one Pharisee praying in the temple. When he did thank God, his thanks sounded like this. Thank you, God, that I am not like that sinner. I've read other, other prayers, rabbinical prayers, thanking God that you didn't make me a woman. Thank you, God, that I'm not a Gentile. Thank you, God, that I'm not a Samaritan. These aren't the kinds of thank yous God wants. Of course, the ultimate character who wouldn't honor and thank God is Satan. We get some indication from the Bible that he was the most glorious of all the angels, the most beautiful, and that wasn't good enough for him. Instead of giving God honor and thanks, 
Why don't I get to be God? Why do you get to be God? And he, he fell, and then he tempted Adam and Eve to, to fall with him. Think about Adam and Eve. Consider this. Your best day on this planet pales in comparison to every day Adam and Eve had before the fall. Paradise. A bounty they didn't really have to work for. They didn't have to worry about weeds or any of that. No guilt because no sin, no shame. Said they were naked and unashamed. They didn't even have to worry about what they're going to wear each day. I hate that you stand in front of your closet and you're like, the, the complaining and grumbling, a whole closet full of clothes. And what do we say? I've got nothing to wear. There's people on this planet who truly have nothing to wear. And we complain. They had everything. And best of all, they had God Himself. And instead of honoring Him and giving Him thanks, they chose the path of, I deserve better than this. How do you get better than perfect? I deserve better. God said, if you eat from this tree, you will die. They said, no, I won't die. I'll get better. I'll get more. So you're getting a picture of where ingratitude and unthankfulness comes from. You thought you were going to get off the hook because we finished the sermon series on pride, right? My fear was after finishing the Matthew 18 sermon that we tend to go on to the next series and we forget about everything we just learned because it was too uncomfortable. That was a hard series. It was hard for me to study it, but it was good, a good kind of hard to just comb and dig down deep into the heart and see how deep my pride really runs. I hope you benefited from the series as well, but we're not letting you off the hook because pride is at the root of ingratitude. Are you known as a thankful person or a thankless person? Remember we said you need to ask people about your sins, your fatal flaws, your blind spots. Ask, am I a grateful person? Am I known for giving thanks or am I known for complaining and grumbling? I bet you already know the answer. But maybe you'd want to ask anyways. It's a good humbling exercise. Ingratitude is a symptom of pride and self-worship. So let's connect the dots. Let me go back a page. We started with, we are created to worship. You can't worship God without giving thanks. You can't thank God without honoring Him. But you can't honor Him if you're busy honoring yourself. And where does self-honor come from? Pride. So connect the dots. If you have a thankfulness problem, you have a pride problem. Prideful people, prideful self-worshippers feel entitled. 
They complain and grumble when God's gracious providence doesn't meet their unrealistic, pride-driven expectations. I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. I want, I want, I want. I need, I need, I need. And you don't realize how much you really have. You're always dwelling on what you don't have and never giving thanks for what you do have. And the reason you think you deserve these things is you have replaced God with yourself on the throne. Only God deserves the best of everything. The most grateful people in the world I know have this view of life. I deserve hell, but I get heaven. I deserve condemnation. I get justification. When your expectations are set where they belong, anything you get is... It's gravy. It's pure joy, pure thankfulness, pure gratitude. Now, nobody's on either far extreme of the scale. We all find ourselves somewhere in there. Myself, I go through cycles of thankfulness and then unthankfulness. What I want you to hear today is what triggers the ingratitude. When you fail to honor God and give Him thanks, you will immediately honor self and then become unthankful and complaining. So the way out of the cesspool of ingratitude and really the quicksand, because you can start sinking in ingratitude and not get yourself out. It becomes almost an addictive type quality. Pretty soon you can't see anything to be thankful for. And everyone around you is like, oh my goodness, you have like a great life. And you say, well, you don't understand. I get this way. I was complaining yesterday morning about the cloud cover while eating my hot pancakes my children made for me. And this is how it kind of went in my head. All week long, I'm enclosed in an office with no windows. You'd think I could get some sun on my day off. (laughs) So my family graciously corrected my attitude. My wife said, knock it off. (laughs) Look, the the sun's coming out from behind the clouds right now. I'm like, yeah, but it's windy. Right? (laughs) We just wake up grumpy sometimes, but it doesn't mean that that's the way you have to be. You get on your knees and you honor God and glorify Him and give Him thanks and praise for another day. Certainly, you could end up not even moving on with your day if you just spent the day giving Him thanks. You would never run out of things to give Him thanks for. But you have to get the ball rolling back in the right direction. Direction. Humble God worshipers feel grateful. They thank and praise God because they realize that they don't get what they deserve. Right? The 
The proud self-worshipper is always saying, I don't get what I deserve. I don't get what I deserve. The humble God-worshipper realizes, yeah, that's right. I don't get what I deserve. It's just, I deserve wrath. I deserve condemnation. I deserve the wrath of God. Instead, I get the very thing that I haven't earned. His love, His grace, His mercy, His blessings, relationship with Him, the righteousness of Christ. This isn't hocus-pocus power of positive thinking. This is the gospel. This is truth. This isn't Norman Vincent Peale at the Crystal Cathedral teaching you to have self-esteem. This is the Word of God telling you to repent from dishonoring God and from complaining and grumbling and give Him the honor and glory He's due and the thanksgiving that will follow. God takes complaining and grumbling very serious. It is not low on the list of sins. It is high on the list of sins. Think of the Israelites. What was God's chief complaint against them? Complainers and grumblers and idolaters, they all go, those, those go together. Because if you're not glorifying God, you're glorifying something else. And then the complaining and grumbling follows. And we have this warning because ingratitude leads somewhere we don't want to go. Let's keep reading, though. The warning here, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile and their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. Their foolish hearts were darkened. They speculate. You start justifying why you think you deserve these things. It makes perfect sense in your head. You don't understand why everyone else doesn't see what you see. We've all been there, admit it. It starts with things like, I deserve better weather. I deserve a better job. A promotion. A pay raise. A corner office a better title, accolades, a pat on the back. A job you once took great joy in, this person's walking around the office now, sourpuss. I deserve a better house. That's the other show we get on Netflix, uh, the HGTV. Well, that, that thing will, that, that, that channel's so fun and it'll kill you. <laughs> All day long, looking at other people's houses. And I love the show House Hunters, where they go shopping for homes, and they go, here's my wish list. I want turnkey. I want high-end appliances. I want granite. I want hardwood floors. I want it all. And I only want to pay this. I don't know how realtors do it. Jim, how do you, how do you live? <laughs> But then it gets worse and it starts to go to, I deserve a better church. I deserve better children. I deserve a better 
spouse. I deserve a better life. I deserve a better God, is what we're really saying. This one's not delivering the goods. And since you think you deserve a better God, then you exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for the image of corruptible man. I'll be my own God. I'll give me the things I think I deserve. And your, your heart becomes darkened and you can't see out of it. It really is quicksand. You get mired in it. Very hard to turn from ingratitude once it's really taken hold of your heart. It starts to affect your brain chemistry and you feel grumpy and depressed all the time. My major in college was psychobiology. Taking psychology the way man thinks and acts and marry it with biology the way your brain chemistry affects that. It was back in the day when we thought we would invent enough designer medication, psychotropic drugs that we could change everybody's psychology through medication. But we know better now. Most therapists are moving away from medication and back to cognitive therapy. You know, talking through your problems, getting to the root and replacing with, with positives. It's kind of like the Bible without the gospel. We know, though, that the replacement, the change of heart can only happen by the Holy Spirit. Amen? That a regenerate heart is one that can start thinking on what is true. But we have the technology now to hook people up to like PET scans and have them start complaining and grumbling and see what area of the brain is flowing with blood. And guess what area of the brain lights up, we say, when you complain and grumble? The same area of the brain that's in charge of pleasure. Pleasure. We enjoy complaining. I know it sounds weird because you're like, no, I don't. Well, yeah, we, we subsidize that which we like. If you didn't enjoy it, we wouldn't do it. Same with anxiety, same area of the brain. We love to worry. You feel miserable, but you enjoy it at the same time. You know, like playing with a scab. It hurts, but it kind of feels... Right? Why would you do that? Why, why complain? Why grumble? Why be anxious? Because we take some kind of pleasure out of it. And before long, you become an ingratitude addict or an anxiety addict. It's funny, but it's, it's not. It's, it's serious. It's a terrible place to be in. And we've all been there at times. And by God's grace and with some help, people have helped pull ourselves out like my wife at the table, knock it off. Sometimes it takes more than knock it off. So we extend compassion and pity for one another because we're in this mess together. We're a room full of complainers and grumblers. And yet we also need to realize that even worse than the hurt it causes in your own life and the pain it causes those around you, right? It's hard to be around someone who's unthankful. They're raining on their own parade and your parade. 
In fact, when we're down and unhappy, we often want other, everyone else to be down and unhappy with us. It's hard to be around thankful people when you feel unthankful. What are all these people so happy about? But most of all, we should be concerned because this is a sin against a holy God who will not give His glory to another and will not stand for dishonor and ingratitude. And so we help one another repent. And personally, we repent from ingratitude. What does that repentance look like? If the problem is honoring, exalting self, which leads to ingratitude, then what is the antidote? Honor God and then thank Him. It's a very simple formula. Like, that's it? And man, if you've ever been really mired in the pit of ingratitude and unthankfulness, you're like, that can't be the answer. It's got to be something else. All my circumstances need to change first. No, they don't. You can honor God and give Him thanks and praise in the midst of all circumstances. I think there's a verse about that. It's perspective. So, give honor to God. And thank Him for what He's done. Give honor to God. Thank Him for... How do you give honor to God? You dwell on His attributes. Like Paul said, His power, His creativity. There is a homework assignment in your bulletin. I'm a teacher by nature and I know that change doesn't happen until you do homework. Talk is cheap. Meditate on five attributes of God. Write them down. You don't have to stop at five, but if you haven't practiced this, you're going to find it very difficult. You're going to find it a bit awkward. But as you cultivate a heart that honors and magnifies God, you won't be able to stop yourself because His perfections are infinite. There's so much to honor Him for. You could honor Him for His unchangeability. That there's no shadow of turning with Him. That I wake up each morning and God is still God. I got somebody I can count on. Because I can't even count on myself. But God I can always count on. He will be the same yesterday, today, and always. And and you, you build your prayer off of that. Praise you, God. I praise you, God. You are the same today you were yesterday, and you'll be the same tomorrow. Praise Him for His mercy, for His loving kindness. Praise Him for His omniscience. Thank you, God, that you know all my thoughts, and you still love me. Thank you for His omnipresence, that He's everywhere, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you. That I have nothing to fear, that I can walk through the valley of shadow of death, and you will be with me.
in a Scripture-saturated mind will start bringing to your heart by the Holy Spirit the words to pray. Then you move on then to what He's done, what He will do, what He is doing, and thank Him for those things. Isn't that what we thank people for? Somebody does something for you, you say thank you. We just need to get more specific in our thanks. And you start cultivating a heart of thankfulness. You can thank Him for His creation and just go through creation and thank Him for all the things we enjoy here. It's not too hard. Look out your window. We live in an amazing corner of God's creation here. I forget it until people come up here and go, wow, you get to live here all the time? Yeah. I forget. Like People come up here to vacation. You're like, why? (laughs) Because it's nice up here. And then, you know, thank Him for what He's done in your life, your salvation. Every day we should thank Him for our salvation. If that's all you thanked Him for, that would be enough. Remember I told you the story about one of my seminary professors who was moping around one day and his wife said, Rick, cheer up, you're not going to hell. (laughs) Says pastors need this kind of wife. Only they can say those kinds of things to you. We were reading a story about Martin Luther once. He was mired in depression and unthankfulness. And his friends tried everything and couldn't... The guy had a temper and kind of a mouth, too. So I can only imagine going to Martin Luther to try to cheer him up and him kicking you out of his study. I read some of the things he said and wrote, and I blush. So, so they went to his wife and said, you got to do something. You're the only one who can talk to him. So she dressed in all black as if she were mourning and came to his office, and he said... Who died? She said, didn't you hear? God did. And he said something about, bite your tongue, woman. What is this nonsense you speak of? She said, well, you you think he died by the way you've been acting the last week. You know, the tomb was empty. Wow, that snapped him out of it. So we all need some help in this area. Here's a model for honor and thanksgiving in Psalm 100. Remember, it's right on the sign as we walk into the church. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. See, he's meditating on the Lord's attributes. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Glorify God. Thank him. Glorify God. Thank him. Rinse. Repeat. This is what we're going to be doing for all eternity, so let's get good at it now. Look at this little glimpse of heaven in Revelation 4.9. And when the living creatures 
give glory and honor and thanks. There it is. Glory and honor and thanks. This is what the heavenly host is doing right now. To him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever. Did we mention he lives forever and ever? And will cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Why? Now let's talk about the things he's done. For you created all things and because of your will they existed and we're created, we'll be glorifying God and thanking Him for all eternity, glorifying Him for His wondrous being that He is, and thanking Him for what He's done. What else are they singing in heaven? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Right? What He's done, the greatest thing God's ever done, redeeming mankind with His own life. So I'd love for you to do this homework assignment. And we'll just... Our smiles will be so big next week when we come back, we won't be able to get in the building here. We'll be so overflowing with gratitude that people will wonder, what is up with these people? I know Jesus Christ. That's the source of my gratitude. If we walk around and say we're Christians and we're filled with ingratitude and unthankfulness... What kind of testimony is that? People can have that on their own without God. Why sign up for that life? Next week, we're going to look at how then to then honor and thank people in our horizontal relationships. But it's got to start vertically this week. We pray to dismiss us. Heavenly Father, You are worthy of all honor and glory. We have endless, endless supply of things to honor You for because You are infinite. There's no end to Your perfections, to Your beauty, to Your majesty. Forgive us for thinking of You in small ways and thinking of ourselves in big ways. Lord, set the record straight in our minds and in our hearts. And then fill us to overflowing with gratitude. We can't even begin to list all that You've done. Because there's so much You've done we're not even aware of, but we enjoy every day. Like Job, we cover our mouths because we're talking of things too wonderful to understand. We don't know how You keep this universe running but we sure enjoy it. And so thank you, God. May your name be glorified. May you be thanked in all the nations. And may it start in the nation of our own heart and then in our house, our church, our community, and around this globe. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.